Happy Friday, Story Fam. I hope you've had a great week so far and that you've been finding ways every day to stay connected to Jesus, who is the source of your salvation and the source of your joy. I saw a quote this week from one of my favorite pastors, Craig Rochelle of Life Church. He said, Your desires won't determine who you become, but your disciplines will. I know it takes discipline to keep reading your Bible every day, praying and growing in faith, chasing after Jesus instead of other things every day. But those disciplines will determine the kind of person you become. So stick to it. This week's reflection is all about one of the biggest stumbling blocks for critics of Christianity, the issue of gender roles and misogyny in the Bible. But first, I need to share three really big, really important updates with you for our Story Church community. First, number one, we're back, baby. (laughs) After taking a break from in-person worship last Sunday because of a COVID case on our staff, the River Oaks campus will be back in business in person this week. If you're feeling ready to join us live and in person, and if you're not in any of the high-risk COVID categories, I'd love to see you in person this Sunday at one of our three services at River Oaks. That's 830, 945, or 11, or at our brand new Timber Grove campus at 945. Um, Seating capacity at both campuses is limited, so visit thestory.church slash RSVP to reserve your seats ASAP. (laughs) Number two, Charity Trivia Night returns outdoors. I am so excited, y'all, about this. If you've never been to one of our Charity Trivia Nights before, they are legendary. To make sure that everybody feels safe and, and as comfortable as possible, we're, we're going to be gathering outdoors this time at, in late January. So what could go wrong? <laughs> well, hopefully the weather holds up. Uh, we're going to be gathering on that massive front patio outside of our new Timber Grove campus at 8200 Washington Avenue in the Heights. I'm already working on some fun trivia categories and writing some tough questions one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) And well, let's just say I've been inspired by the peaceful transfer of presidential power that we all witnessed this week. That's a hint, by the way. That's a hint about the categories. All right, just for you, my listeners. (laughs) This charity trivia night is going to be a blast. And all the proceeds are going to benefit one of our ministry partners, Houston Welcomes Refugees. So don't miss this night if you're if you're up to gather in person. Um, you can find out more information and get registered by visiting the uh, the site thestory.church/trivia. I believe thestory.church/trivia. All right. And finally, number three, our final announcement for this Friday's email um, blast is drum roll, please. Scripture and the Skeptic is now available. So the first copies of my new book, Scripture and the Skeptic, are set to arrive on Friday morning. So as you're reading this email or listening to this podcast, I'm probably at the UPS store standing over a cardboard box, weeping tears of joy. We'll be going through the book and covering lots of bonus material over the next couple of months at the story. So I hope you'll get your copy as soon as possible and get started reading it. The fastest way to do that is to visit my personal website, erichuffman.org slash store. I know that sounds a little pretentious, a little self-gratifying, but that's the easiest way to do this, erichuffman.org slash store. All the books purchased through my site are going to be signed by yours truly, and there will be a little personalized note in there for you or whoever you're buying it for, and then we'll ship it to you free of charge. 
Now, you can also pre-order on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or wherever books are sold, but your copy won't arrive until after the official release date, which is February 1st, if you order from those other places. So thank you to everyone who's already placed an order. We've sold something like 40 books already, I think. So thank you so much. Um, You're going to be receiving your copies next week. And the same goes for those of you who get your orders in today. We'll get yours to you next week. So thank you so much for your support of Scripture and the Skeptic. I hope you enjoy the book. I hope it really, I hope it means something to you and um, that God speaks to you through it. That's my goal. Now, to give you another glimpse into the book, uh, today's reflection is an excerpt from the final chapter, which is called, Why is the Bible so Backward? In this excerpt, I wrestle with one of the most controversial questions in all of Scripture. Is the Bible sexist? Are gender roles so clearly defined and so clearly unfair, I guess, in the Bible that Christian men must behave a certain way and Christian women must behave another way and, and nary the two shall cross, right? I hope, I hope that this reflection is eye-opening to you. I hope you enjoy this little slice of Scripture and the skeptic. And again, I hope to see you this Sunday, either in person at one of our two campuses or online at our Story Online campus as we gather to worship God together. I love you guys. Here's today's reflection. For several decades, outspoken Christian and non-Christian feminists have insisted that the Bible must not be considered a reliable source of objective truth, if only for the fact that it holds women in lower esteem than men. For years, there's been a conflict within Christianity about the role of women in the church. And like most political fights, there are two sides dominating the debate. Complementarians believe God assigns certain roles for men and other roles for women. And blurring um, the lines or, or crossing those lines is akin to missing the mark of God's ideal for creation. A man's role is to lead, and a woman's role is to follow his lead and to submit to his authority. Egalitarians, on the other hand, believe that in Christ there really should be no traditional gender roles anymore, and we should stop boxing men and women into classical definitions of masculinity and femininity. In complementarian churches, only men are appointed to serve as leaders and elders and pastors, while women aren't permitted to lead or teach men because of Bible verses like the one where Paul says, in 1 Timothy uh, 2, verse 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. But here's the thing. I've been around complementarian churches my whole life. I grew up in the Bible Belt. And one thing never fails in those churches. Behind the scenes of these churches, women are always running things. <laughs> they run things. They run the choir They run Sunday school, they run VBS, they run weddings, they run funerals, hospitality, they they run worship in many ways, they run everything. They even run the board meetings at these churches by simply sending their husbands as proxies to do their bidding. Kenneth, honey, you will vote to replace that awful shag carpet. Are we clear? (laughs) Egalitarian churches, on the other hand, look at other verses, like the one where Paul wrote, There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. That's in Galatians 3.28. And egalitarians take it to mean that Jesus canceled out gender roles for Christians. And that sounds 
okay in theory, but I've been around those churches too. And what tends to happen is that masculinity becomes synonymous with toxic masculinity and men who are masculine in the traditional sense feel bored at best and unwelcome at worst. All the men who like to do strategic planning and fix up the church building and run the scout troop and play sports with the youth group, they stop coming over time, as do many of the women who love them, because many of those women are with those men, those traditional masculine men, because they are traditionally feminine women in the classical sense. And they feel judged in those churches for doing things like dressing pretty and wearing makeup and serving their husbands in a subservient way. So biblically speaking, the truth is neither egalitarians nor complementarians get it completely right. Complementarians have no answer for all the times in Scripture when God clearly called women like Deborah to lead men and to speak on his behalf. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul trusted women to carry his letters and to preach in some of his churches. That's right, the same Paul who ordered women in one congregation to remain silent in the presence of their husbands or their fathers assumed that women in another congregation were preaching to the church. So in 1 Corinthians eleven five, he wrote, Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Now, I know the head covering issue can be confusing, but the most important part that I want to see that I want you to see here is that Paul expected some women to prophesy in some church services. But what did he mean by prophesy? Well, lucky for us, he defined it plain and simple later in the same letter in first Corinthians 14, three and four. He said, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. The one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, that sounds an awful lot like preaching to me. So which is it? Are women supposed to keep silent in church like Paul said to Timothy? Or are they supposed to preach with their heads covered like Paul said to the Corinthians? The rules just aren't crystal clear. And I believe that whenever the Bible isn't crystal clear about an important issue like this one, it's generally a good idea to look to Jesus. Complementarians and egalitarians may never agree. They're both locked into their dogmas and will probably be fighting it out on Twitter until the second coming of Christ. And that's fine. As for the rest of us who don't fit so neatly on either side of that debate, let's look to Jesus to observe how he behaved in the presence of women, how he treated them, and what he expected of them. In the words of Christian scholar Dorothy Sayers, perhaps it is no wonder that the women were first at the cradle and last at the cross. They had never known a man like this man, a prophet and teacher who never nagged at them, never flattered or coaxed or patronized, who never made jokes about them, never treated them either as the women, God help us, or the ladies, God bless them, who rebuked without quarrelousness and praised without condescension, who took their questions and arguments seriously, who never mapped out their sphere for them, never urged them to be feminine or jeered at them for being female, who had no axe to grind and no uneasy male dignity to defend, who took them as he found them and was completely unselfconscious. There's something beautiful and good about masculinity and something beautiful and good about femininity. 
So instead of allowing the narrative to be commandeered by one ideological side or the other, perhaps the best place to begin is here. The Bible insists that both men and women uniquely embody the image of God in which we were all created. And no one can argue with that. That's it for today. There's an excerpt from Scripture in the Skeptics 8th chapter. And I hope you guys uh, pick up the book and I hope you enjoy it when you read it. And I once again hope to see you this Sunday at the Story Church as we continue our sermon series, Your Story, God's Glory. All right. Bye, everybody. Have a great weekend.